We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to another episode of Outside the Trenches. I'm BJ Kissel, joined by six-year NFL vet, two-time All-American at K-State, two-time Remington finalist and center Nick Leckie, who's got quite the setup. And Nick, you've got a new you got a new camera because you are much clearer. I can see your beautiful face much better than I did last time. Yes, and then once we get this ring light going, it'll be even better for the YouTube crowd. And then for the audio-only crowd, I, uh, I've got a new setup. I will, uh, I'll, I'll post something on the uh, social media, and I'm there still finagling with it. It's a work in progress. On the social media. Yeah, it's okay. preseason for everybody, for Christ's sakes. I love it. Tucker Franklin, our third member of this crew. What's up, man? How are you? How was the weekend? I'm doing good. Uh, the football team I coached, we had our jamboree on this past Friday, so we were uh, trying to work out some of the kinks, get the get the regular season coming up here this next Friday, which happens to overlap with the Chiefs' last preseason game. And so my scheduling has not been very great with the Chiefs' preseason scheduling. We've just kind of been uh, just been off. So I had to catch the replay of the Chiefs' game, but that's okay. Uh, ready to go, ready to talk about the Chiefs and, and what else is in store for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Yeah, it's going to be a fun show now that we're getting into like real football. This is kind of in our sweet spot as we get into like real stuff. The guys are out on the field. But uh, as you mentioned, the Chiefs won the, the preseason game last Friday night, 17-10 to 10 over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we're a few days removed from that game, so we'll give some quick takeaways here in a bit and then kind of look forward. Uh, I know a lot of people have been overanalyzing, and Chiefs fans, I, I joked on social media that there is no shortage of Chiefs content immediately after games. I think I saw four live post-game shows and five takeaways articles, all within like two minutes of everything ending. So uh, a lot of options for Chiefs fans, which is a great thing, is the t- team will obviously be pretty good. Um, but before we get into all this, I do want to thank our partner and our day one partner here on KC Sports Network and Jack Stack Barbecue. few things go as well together as football and barbecue. So at some point, the weather will start to drop here in Kansas City. It'll get a, cool off a little bit, and it will definitely feel like some barbecue weather. Get some ribs. Get some of that cr- crown prime beef rib that Nick loves so much. Order that. Get it to your house and uh, enjoy some football while you are doing that. You can order at jackstackbbq.com and a special thanks to them for making all of this possible for us and 
a special thanks to all of you who are listening to this podcast and who have been listening and supporting us at KC Sports Network. And um, I know at times we will ask you of things. And right now we'll ask if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy everything you're hearing, please go, whether it's Apple, whether it's YouTube, wherever you're at, uh, and spread the word and let us know what you think about what we're doing. Uh, Internet kind of becomes a place where people get really, really worked up to say a lot of things that uh, people don't get excited and go on and, and spam all over the internet things that they really, really like. Um, that's what I'll leave it at. So uh, if you enjoy what we're doing, please leave a, a review. People do look at that stuff uh, as we continue to build this. And it is building quite fast and quite quickly, and we're really excited about it, and we appreciate all of your support. So, Tucker, before I read all of these game notes that I know Nick throughout the years has just loved so much with some random information, I want to know from you, what was your main takeaway from the Chiefs preseason game? And I know you're probably going to have a lot, and I just want to get one. Yeah, I, I think when I first start to think about this Chiefs preseason game, what comes to my mind is the wide receivers. Uh, we started to see a whole lot more from Darius Fountain. You know, Marcus Kemp has always been a, a big topic around camp and in these preseason games. But now there's a big conversation about, you know, Fountain, what's going to happen there. Um, kind of some similarities to Dwayne Bow have been thrown out there as well. So <laughs> it's it's uh, what what's going to happen yeah. with this wide receiver room? We'll get to see here pretty soon. Preseason needs to be over. <laughs> yep, stop with this stuff. Can, right? we, can we just? Hey, listen, I, I have a, a, a confession to make. Is I have absolutely hated this preseason. Like I have a hundred percent. Like it's just like I don't know what it is. It's the new format. How it's working. Uh, players' attitudes. We know we know so much, and it's just God. It's just it's miserable to watch. It's the only thing good to watch from the game was that was when Henny was in. That's when it felt real, you know. And, and I, I just like, get, I just get nervous the whole time. It's like, yeah, I want to see Patrick Mahomes go make plays, but I'd really rather see him wrapped up in bubble wrap, standing on the sideline doing interviews with Kay Adams or Matt McMullen, whoever's down there. It's like just get him off of, get him away from people who have bad intentions when they're step between the white lines when the games don't matter. So I know he wants to play. I know he needs to play, but it doesn't change the fact that, and it's not just Mahomes. Like when the first team offense is out there after every tackle, after every run, when all the bodies are laying on the ground, I'm holding my breath until everybody gets up. And every time the commercial kind of cuts away and you see a guy kind of roll, I'm like, is he hurt or is he just rolling over? Is he actually getting up? Like it's just a stressful anxiety filled time. Nick, it looks like you have a thought here. That is the life that I was in New Orleans as a backup center guard was I was watching the, the left guard center right guard with like nervous anxiety every play. I'm like, are you hurt? Get up, get up, get up. Like like one of them, Carl Nix was like always slow to get up on plays. And I was like, God dang it, Carl, can you just get up quicker? And then Goody would just roll over and just, oh, yeah. So welcome to life as a backup when you're nervous about people getting hurt. You're like, oh, do I need to get warmed? Yeah. I just want to see the starters like messing with you on the sideline, just slowly getting up every time just to give you anxiety standing on the sideline. I think it'd be a lot of fun, but my, my uh, PTSD is kicking in. All right. We'll, we'll change subjects here real quick. And uh, we're talking about ending of the preseason. What that means is that roster cutdowns are happening. And this year is a little bit different than what we've seen in years past where the, the CBA rules changed a couple years ago, where all of a sudden, instead of multiple, it was just one big cutdown. Well, now with COVID and with no preseason last year, having to make roster decisions the way that they did in the middle of a COVID environment. Now it's even more different in that last week they cut five players. And now on Monday, they have to cut another five players to go from 85 down to 80. And then after that final preseason game, actually on um, 
the 31st of August, uh, they have to be down to the 53, the standard 53 man roster. And so that is August 31st, August 31st. It's always four o'clock Eastern for whatever, for whatever reason, every NFL thing, it's always four o'clock Eastern, uh, New York time. But, um, that's kind of where we're at with the roster. That's kind of what we're looking forward to, um, kind of seeing play out over the next week. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, with just the three preseason games and how many, you know, 30 something players or whatever it is, can't do math, um, have to get, you know, released between now and then. This is a lot of decisions that the personnel staff has to make. And so Nick, I want you to speak, I'm going to speak on this just a little bit because it's a unique time in that this is that week that the starters start preparing for Cleveland and they're mentally watching film about that. And then 70% of the rest of the team is trying to like, Oh my God, I got to make a job. Like I got to make a team. I got to figure out living range. Like the, the humanistic side, that's not even a word. The, the human side of these guys that may be unemployed in a week and are fight or two weeks and are, they're kind of fighting to, uh, perform their best in front of you know personnel evaluators who are cutting a roster on the personnel side where the coaching side they're getting ready for cleveland like it's just a unique time in that building um it was always kind of strange you know it's a lot of the players know who's going to get cut and, and who's who's not going to be around because in practice if you see a guy at practice and he hasn't taken any reps you know he's not going to get cut and then also unfortunately too is that same person who's not taking those reps in practice they're not going to take any reps in the game because they don't want to risk getting injured and then having to pay them that the injury settlement or put them on IR for the year. So it's one of those things where you kind of have a general idea who's going to get cut and you know who to avoid a lunchroom, right? Because you're like, I don't want to, you know, don't get that on me type concept. Yeah. I know you're going to be gone. And all the players end up on injured reserve. Right, exactly. <laughs> the exactly. roster bubble guys that are like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pretend to know for real what happens i just know that sometimes a guy hurts a finger and he's on ir for the year and he just gets to hang out and learn and train and study the playbook and be around the coaching and the this and the that and then next thing you know a couple years later he's got you know two years in the system because man that unfortunate hangnail really did a number on him for the season i've heard i've heard head coaches tell rookies around around this time of year say hey look oh we're essentially gonna redshirt you you know, we're going to put you on IR and you're going to learn the system. And you can come back next year. So it, it is a good way to bury people uh, and to also save them for later. Yep. And if it makes sense for the player, that player wants to be a part of that. And they, they feel like that's their best opportunity to get better as a player and have an opportunity down the road. As I think, as you mentioned, I think most players are pretty self-aware as to how close or far away they are from being a contributor, you know, being a guy. I don't think Cornell Powers. Cornell Powell right there right now is sitting there saying, you know, I can do what Tyreek does. You know what I mean? Like, I think that there's some self-awareness uh, to these guys. And that's a bad example. But I think most of these guys kind of have an idea of where they're at. And uh, right now, before I give my one takeaway from that game, uh, I do want to go through these game notes. When we get into the regular season, um, this is going to be a lot more interesting because the superlatives actually matter um, with games that matter. But right now, let's go through these. Um, Anthony Hitchens picking up the sack. I thought it was great to see. Um, you know, Steve Spagnolo kind of dust off some of those blitz um, 
schemes, those blitz, blitz packages, just to, get, again, get the timing down. It's all about timing. That's why they're repping those things so those guys can set them up and they can disguise and not tip things too early, and they have to do that in a game um, setting. Uh, Chris Jones records a sack strip. Chris Jones, absolute monster here. It looks like he has nine career forced fumbles. Great stat there from Brad G of Chiefs Communications. Um, And then the Chiefs defense coming through in the first quarter. Three straight, three and outs for the Chiefs defense going up against Kyler Murray and that Cardinals offense was big time. Jaron Reed picked up a sack. I think that was another one of those probably underrated storylines. We have to go through the rest of them uh, now that I look through a lot more of them. But and I know I don't want to take any of your thunder, Nick. I don't know what your your takeaway and you know, my takeaway. I don't want to run into those things. But, you know, I think somebody wrote about it the other day, and I apologize for not giving that person credit on social media um, or on the show, but the interior defensive line and the depth and guys like Tashawn Wharton, Jaron Reed, Colin Saunders, um, Chris Jones, we know what he can do moving around to different places. Um, there are Kando. Uh, there are a lot of guys uh, – that can move around in different places on that interior defensive line that I feel like probably hasn't been enough of a storyline. And when you start piecing it all together, when you see things like what Juan Thornhill did the other night and see him start to play better. And you look at this defense with Nick Bolton and Willie Gay, got some young athletic guys. Anthony Hitchens is moving around a lot better. And you start saying like, if this group can stay healthy, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. I, I, I think that they can be interior interiorly from a defensive standpoint. I, I love the, um, the, the, the body compositions, because I think for, for guard center guards, you have to have, you know, tall, tall, athletic, uh, tall, big, uh, short, short fire hydrant. And then also just big all, all around in general, like those kind of hit everyone's interior O lineman weakness. Like mine was always Chris Jones types, you know, big mm-hmm. and uh, tall. And then, but I, I'd have no trouble with anybody six foot, six, one, who's like 400 pounds. So, right. But then, you know, and then maybe some other person was like, Ooh, I don't like the short guys. So everyone's got different weaknesses and strengths as far as pass pro and run blocking offense line. And I think this defense really is lining up. This defensive front is lining up to attack all those different sort of weaknesses. All right, Nick, let's get into just your takeaway, you know, from the game the other night, I, I don't want to get into offensive line just in case you want to talk about it, but what was your takeaway? Um, great drive from Mahomes. Uh, I, I love the the fourth down conversion. And uh, usually, you know, they they didn't. Yeah, there was two. Um, they usually do trickery in the red zone to, to score a touchdown, which I think is where you should. I think Andy Reid like like a spe- like a like a trick play in the middle of the field is useless, but a trick play in the red zone to score a touchdown, I, I think. And he's been doing it for a couple years now, and I think that's absolutely brilliant. It's it's like the greatest use of a trick player is we need a trick play to score. And then this year you're going to be able to trick play and you're going to be able to run it up the middle. And I like that. Um, I don't like Tooney pulling yet. I can tell they're not in sync yet with, with how it's going. You know, I saw Tooney miss a couple pulls and things like that. So they're figuring out, you know, the Andes are figuring out uh, how to run and which kind of place to run as far as you want to go zones, powers, uh, counters, uh, outsides. I like – what you said there because there were times during that game and granted it's preseason and you try everything you can not to look too much into it and the vanilla play calling um, and everything but when you're at the plus 30 wherever they were and they go you know three tight ends and they just run like an ice or just like power whatever they were running just right downhill right at you and there's bodies being moved. I know we talked about it. That was my takeaway. And I'm going to say it again. Uh, Charles Goldman from the Chiefs Wire put out the stat that 
52 snaps from the Chiefs' first-team offensive line, and they haven't had a single penalty yet, uh, which is pretty damn impressive through the preseason when you're going to make mistakes. You're going to you expect those types of things, holding, getting a little excited, whatever it is. Um, so looking for checkpoints along the way to feel good about the offensive line besides just opening your eyes and seeing guys move bodies moving see guys like trey smith who i am in love with i mean i think i am ready to profess my love for <laughs> trey smith as a rookie six round pick he's just me like when you watch him it's just when he puts his hands on a guy's that guy goes where he wants him to go and it's just very obvious when you watch you're like that guy's grip strength we talked about that with duke manyweather i was like duke i don't know trey smith i've never talked to trey smith i've never seen him in person but the way that he holds people, I can't imagine how strong his hands must be just because when he gets his hands on somebody, like they're moving where he wants them to go. And again, those are other grown men. So the biggest takeaway for me, again, in this game was the offensive line. I know Mahomes scrambled a little bit. We can talk about all that and terrified the entire time. But in the running game and even in the screen game a little bit, we saw it with, uh, with Jet McKinnon. Um, and there was another nice screen that we had in there as well. But I feel like the offensive line, we've talked about it all offseason, that is, it is a reason to be excited for Chiefs fans. And if you're a fantasy football person, I will stand on the table for Clyde Edwards Elaire right now because the talent's still there. And now he's got an offensive line. And it seems like a coach that knows that maybe this is my opinion. I think we have a coach who knows that we can't just sit back there and have Mahomes throw it 45 times uh, and expect to survive an entire season. Uh, with blitz pack, like all the stuff that's going on, I just feel like they know they got to be a little more balanced. They've got the the horses up front to move some bodies now, and I think we're going to see it happen. Yeah, I think so too. And especially when when you talk about running the football, the first game that comes to my mind is the Bills game last year. Um, it, the first Bills game, I should say. It is weird weather. Uh, everyone expected it to be a, a Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes showdown. And Clyde Edwards Hiller comes out and runs for like 130 some yards. And it's just a very uncharacteristic type Chiefs game. They end up getting the win. And if they can do that a whole lot more and keep teams guessing, I know people like to think that they have it figured out, right? It's like, oh, the, the Bucks figured out the formula of how to beat the Chiefs. Well, the formula is to have a pretty good defense, apparently. Um, to have some dudes up on that can play a really good linebacker, have a lot of really good guys out here. So uh, I, I don't think there's any formula that's been solved, any formula that's been uh, figured out. And with the way that Clyde Ebersolier can run the ball, it's going to be a whole lot better for the Chiefs. And for anybody who's watching on YouTube, we're having a little bit of technical issues here with Nick, and he'll be back here in a second. But Tucker, while you and I are in here talking about this, what other takeaways did you have from the game? I don't want to go blind nail without Nick since this is Nick's segment, but um, you know, for people listening on audio, they won't know any different. So what other takeaways did you have from the game? I know, again, not to kind of rehash everything that we went through and everything that you know has already been discussed at nauseum, but what are some of those you know lower storylines, I guess, that kind of parlay into this third and final preseason game? Yeah, I think what's really interesting is uh, the whole Jody Fordson saga. We saw him come in and block really well. Um, that was always an encouragement to see him come in and, and block on the line of scrimmage because that's what Andy Reid really wants from his two, three tight end is to be able to block and catch passes. And if we can see Jody Fordson has shown the ability to catch passes, now he's really developing that ability to block. And I think Really, a lot of my storylines come from the offense, but when you look at this defense, man, they allowed negative one net yard uh, of from Kyler Murray in that starting offense. So you start to look at this defense, and you're like, man, 
could this be the real deal this year? And we'll get into that later because that might go into my blind no thing. But um, I think uh, there's just a lot of good things you can take away. I saw some people freaking out about Patrick Mahomes' interception where he drifts back and throws an interception in the end zone. That's not the end of the world. Um, not worried about that at all. But uh, the meme page has had a field day with that one. <laughs> there's there's a lot of things as a Chiefs fan that you could be worried about and you could stress about. Patrick Mahomes just not one of those things that you need to stress about. Right. Like, yeah. not saying that there aren't opportunities, like, there's not a chance that he got there and just played poorly, but that's not something that you should worry. Like, if that happens, then every, it doesn't matter what else you're worrying about, then that happens. Like, it's not going to happen. He's the best player in football. Welcome back, Nick. We were just Thank going you. into, uh, anybody's following on YouTube saw that. Anybody on audio has no idea what we're talking about. But we were just talking through a, a couple, another takeaway that we had. And I know I, I just talked about offensive line. And Tucker talking about you know the defense and different guys that stood out. For me, it was the corners. I wrote about it. It was the first observation I had post game. Uh, first time I had written post game in like over a year. <laughs> I'd written anything, nice. kind of dusting off the writing cobwebs. But yeah, I thought the the Chiefs cornerback, especially Legarius Need, set the tone for the Chiefs defense on the first two plays of the game. He came up and showed some physicality. We know Steve Spagnolo needs that and demands that out of his cornerbacks. I always said that about Bashad Breland when he was here as being one of the more physical corners with a safety background and a physical safety background at that. And now you're seeing guys like Mike Hughes, Traverius Ward, um, who's been doing it his whole career uh, for kind of a quieter personality guy. Like he can stick his nose in there. He made a nice tackle for a loss on a play uh, against the Cardinals on Friday. So I'm always uh, impressed by the physicality. Um, of the Chiefs corners just because you don't always see it from that position but it's really good and I've stood here sat here on this show and said I expect the Chiefs to have another veteran cornerback in that room just because it's a lot of young guys and maybe Brett Veach and them obviously know a whole lot more than I do about anything but they don't go out and get them I'm going to be happy to be like you know what they didn't need to go out and get those guys because Mike Hughes DeAndre Baker um, we know Charvarius Ward and Legarius Sneed are going to be out there. Rashad Fenton, another guy in the mix. And you got Boodle and you got all these other young guys um, that may try to fight to be that fifth or sixth guy. But for me, it's really intriguing when you're at the end of the first quarter as a Chiefs you know, fan and you're talking about Mike Hughes. And I know DeAndre Baker was a little bit later in the game, but that was a phenomenal pass breakup. He had in the end zone is a couple of former top picks who have had you know their fair share of you know headlines throughout their careers for different reasons but if they can come in here and play the, the way they did on friday they're going to answer some questions for uh brett veach and this personnel staff who found answers in places that um not every gm in the league can go find an answer and trade for a seventh round guy who ends up being a starting corner but he did it with parker anger and you know charvarius ward so it wouldn't be the first time he's done that either nick and I'm a big fan of BOGOs. You guys know what a BOGO is, right? Buy one, get one free. And that's when you have a cornerback who can cover and who can tackle. And Charveris Ward, you know, Mike Hughes can do that. And it just, it's cool. I, I love seeing that. I love seeing guys. It's like watching an O-lineman run in the open field. You don't expect them to be that quick, but when they are, you're like, okay, that's a BOGO. And, and I think Chiefs have a lot of BOGOs on, on corner in that, that back four to really get after people. And that's exciting. And speaking of BOGOs, we're going to buy one, get one right now with the old blind nil segment. Um, yes. It's going to stick, by the way. You, you just can't you just can't happen. 
It is now because now it's a thing. Now it's like three shows in, it's confirmed. Like it's called Blind No. So anybody who's listening doesn't know what we're talking about. Uh, the second half of our show is always our segment called Blind No, which is each one of us bring a topic um, regarding football chiefs in some way, shape, or form. It could be serious. It could be goofy. It kind of depends on what kind of mood each of us are in that day. Uh, but we bring a topic. We don't know what each other brought, and we talk about it for a few minutes, and that's how we end the show. But before we get to this, just one more reminder and a thank you for subscribing and taking care of us here at KC Sports Network. We do not take it for granted. If you are a day one supporter, if you went on to our merch store and bought a pullover, let's just say that uh, you might be getting something this week as a thank you from all of us to you. Uh, so I'm going to drop that little teaser here in the middle of the show as I saw Tucker's reaction that that's the first mention that we've had of taking care of our day ones. But when we tell you that we appreciate you and we are trying to do right by you, we mean it. So let's go with blind nil. Tucker, you're up first. What do you got for us today? So I've been trying to think of a way to phrase my question so it's not a yes or no question. Um, but after watching the Chiefs' defense, it's kind of hard not to maybe overreact or um, set expectations very high. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. After seeing that performance against the Cardinals, is it fair to expect that this defense will be the best defense Patrick Mahomes has ever had? Nick, do you do you want to go first? I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see the uh, the absence of a, a few key players on this Chiefs defense to see you know what you can have. But it, it looks like everyone is playing as a, as a whole as a unit. And, and I think that's your, your first factor for success when it comes to successful defenses is playing, playing for each other and not playing for stats. And I think we need a whole bunch of guys working towards a common goal, which is kind of what I'm seeing, a great mix of, of guys who are willing to get after it. Then this, this could very well be that defense. You know, like I said, just unity is huge. I'm going to go with yes, an emphatic yes, and I might be drinking the Kool-Aid because of, and for me, it's the cornerback position. We've talked about it all offseason. It's the one that I'm not saying I'm worried about, but it's the one that is holding me back from just gaslighting this whole thing and just being like, they're going to be a dominant defense because you have questions at cornerbacks with DeAndre Baker, with Mike Hughes, with those guys, and Legereus Need, for as good as he was as a rookie, can he follow it up with another great season? Um, for me, I wanted to see another veteran in that room to kind of solidify my worry of you don't know what you don't have until you see it. And luckily, we've got a personnel staff and a coaching staff that are pretty good at what they do. And they've seen it, whether we have as fans or not. Uh, we're on the outside now. We don't get to see them at practice every day and know how they're progressing and, and talking to them in the locker room. All the things that selfishly I got to do and kind of see how guys click and how the teammates kind of react around them. So um, I'm kind of watching and we're all watching it together. But uh, Tucker, to your point, we see Juan Thornhill go out and play the way that he has. I think Jaron Reed has always been a pickup that never got enough love. And we've got a legitimate defensive player of the year candidate in Chris Jones, who, if he stays healthy, uh, is going to set the NFL world on fire. He's already a household name, but it's just going to solidify that to people that say, you know, he's not Aaron Donald, but he's, is he Fletcher Cox? Is he this? Or is he that? Um, he is going to create his own way. And you can have a dominant defense. You can talk about the Chiefs defense being the best that Patrick Mahomes has ever played with. When you have a player of the year type candidate, which they have in Chris Jones, and that's not the same guy who's your, I guess, you know, administrative leader, 
that I would consider Anthony Hitchens, kind of the guy who gets everybody lined up if he runs around and makes plays. Like he does all the the clerical, like the administrative work. He gets everybody where they're supposed to be. And then you've got just the the heartbeat of that team, the heart of the entire team, uh, and Tyron Matthew, making sure everybody's lined up. And then you have guys like Frank Clark, who's just going to rip his arm off to, to stay on the field and do whatever he's got to do. And that rallies and people around him see that. So I just went off like three minutes explaining why I think, yes, this is the best defense that Patrick Mahomes will have ever played with. I knew I could ask you a yes or no question and get some solid content out of it. But what I think when I start thinking about this is what what's the bar for them to have to cross, right? What was the best defense? Was last year's defense the best? Was the Super Bowl team's defense the best? Um, and so, like, those are things I start thinking about. You guys talked about Brashad Breeland earlier in the show. I admittedly am a big fan of Brashad Breeland. Brashad Breeland has actually played really well in Minnesota so far in this preseason. I'm always going to be a fan of Brashad Breeland for not only what he did on the field, for what he did for the community. Helped out with Lincoln Prep while uh, he was on suspension. I think that's a really cool uh, thing to see from from Brashad there. So it's it, like you mentioned, BJ, the cornerback room is one of those high-risk, high-reward type situations because – Man, if you look at this room, it could pan out and it could be really good, especially with DeAndre Baker, how much you know team control is on his contract, how young Legarius Sneed is. You know, Charverius Ward did sign, I believe, a second year tender uh, going into this season. So he might be kind of limited in what he can do for the future. But there's a lot of guys in this cornerback room, young guys that are going to be here for the future. And when you look at the linebackers, too, you got Willie Gay, you've got Nick Bolton, Anthony Hitchens. This could be his last year. could be Ben Neiman's last year as well. But there's a lot of young guys there. And the defensive line looks to be with the defensive line's best unit. And I think since Patrick Mahomes has been here, when you look just the depth and the, and the talent at all the levels of the depth. So when you start looking at it, you're like, man, the potential is definitely there to be his best defense. And I think if they perform to that level, you know, barring injuries, obviously, that's, I mean, every season's barring injuries, this defense could really uh, put a wrench in teams' plans to keep Mahomes off the field. I always thought that was a dumb game plan against Patrick, against the Chiefs. So, oh, let's just run the ball and keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. Yeah, you still have to score points, idiots. Um, <laughs> come on. Um, but anyway, that'll throw a risk in that big plan. man. Yeah. yeah, I just it, there's no Twitter there's comment no section. Plan. There's no plan to stop the Chiefs, right? I've already went on about this about the Buccaneers saying, "Oh, we figured out the way to beat the Chiefs." No, you didn't. You just have really good linebackers and really good, <laughs> really good secondary. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. They're not confusing anybody that we figured them no. out stuff. Like people have been regurgitating the same defenses and everything for like 50 years. Yeah. Nick, no, like every football coach that you talk to, that's not like it. That's just like a normal, I don't know how to say it. Like it's just a normal football coach. will tell you, Normie, yeah, we'll tell you that like everything they've ever learned about the game, they've stolen from other people. Like nobody's inventing new thing. There's like new variations of things, but a different no it's a copycat league yes everything's a copycat league even andy reed and his in his yeah, wisdom is taking place in the 50s i mean we joke about it but like it's this process like they it's hard to reinvent the wheel and everybody's been doing it for so long that you just kind of tweak it here and there and you just have to go execute better most people know what's happening on any given play guys line up and they can tell you one of three plays are happening right now they're really not being fooled out there. Just go out and execute. So anyway, uh, Nick, let's go to you next with uh, Blind Nil. What do you have for us? All right. It's perfect preseason, and I love it. It's, it, kind of, uh, it kind of speaks to where we're at these days with social media and transparency, and all the information is right there available to us in raw form. You just have to find it. Kyler Murray, 
before the game and openly, not even a secret, just saying, I don't want to play in this preseason game. Mm-hmm. And it kind of showed. And even though Mahomes was kind of like, you know, that's all I know is to play, he didn't look sharp, you know, and the guys didn't look sharp. So what do you think about Kyler Murray not wanting to play? I am all for honesty. Like, I think that we needed – it kind of goes into what my segment was going to be, and maybe I change it on the fly now if we can get into this part of the conversation here. But <laughs> I think in general it would be better, and I'm idealistic and naive of what it would look like, but if players could just fucking be honest and just tell you what they're thinking and how they feel – um, instead of playing these big like house of card games with PR and statements and cliches and all this crap, just like he stands up, there's like I don't want to play. You know, like I I feel like I can get better at practice. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I think it gets vilified by fans who think they know better about how Kyler needs to prepare himself to get out on the field, be ready for the regular season. I think there's a level of um, not grace given to, to athletes in general nowadays uh, with experts on Twitter telling them how they got to prepare, how they shouldn't be on vacation in the off season. They should be in their playbook in like June. Yeah. The guy's sitting on a beach, like let, let them live. So uh, yes, for, to your point, Nick, I think whether it's preseason, whatever it is, and I know, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but in general, I wish players had the trust of the community that they could just speak freely and openly and honestly without being, like I said, vilified. Because if you talk one-on-one to these guys, they will, most of them, once they know you, like will share openly and things that may, if they say publicly, be this big controversial statement, but it's everything so nuanced that you can't get it out in a 20-second soundbite. You can't get all this stuff out. So I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth because I saw it for years where I saw questions asked, players answer, and then you'd see the content and you're like, that's not, what that was like that's not how that was brought up like that wasn't that and sometimes it's not even from the people who are there it's the blogs and like the places that gets aggregated all over the place that don't take into context everything else that was being discussed so it's again idealistic and all of those things but i wish players could speak more freely so kyler murray can be like i don't want to play in the preseason and it doesn't become a thing to where a podcast for another show makes it newsworthy because it is uh, because you don't hear players be honest that often. And I wish that wasn't the case. I think that players would enjoy it more and that their quality of life would be better that they didn't have to watch everything that came out of their mouth. I think that's interesting. And to your point too, about kind of uh, taking things out of context, I don't know if you remember uh, Mitch Trubisky stepped up to the podium in Buffalo and they asked him, you know, how he's, how's he like in Buffalo? And he said, um, it feels great to be in a place that I feel loved. And that was taken completely out of context because he had like a two minute buildup to that little five second answer right there. And all the Bears fans were like, oh, he was loved in Chicago. And I don't want to hear that. But it's just all taken out of context. But Nick, to your point, when I, when I think from an outsider's perspective, um, uh, when I look at these preseason games, I think most of the preseason games are kind of built on trying to figure out what your roster is going to be. Um, I don't think a lot of the time, and I could be completely wrong in this, I could be completely off base, but when I look at it, uh, it doesn't seem like a lot of it is devoted to getting the starters ready, actually, for what the game is going to be like. Yeah, they play a drive, two drives, three drives, maybe a quarter, but a lot of it is to get guys reps to see what they have. And if you got guys like Patrick Mahomes, like Kyler Murray saying, like, you know, I, I feel good, I feel ready, 
I don't know if there is a reason for you to risk injury to put them out there if they don't want to be out there because that's usually when injuries happen, right? I remember being told in in uh, football practice in high school when we were a scout team defense and the other the offensive line was cutting. They're like, hey, you got to go full because if you're going half speed and the guy's cutting you, you're going to get hurt. That's when you're going to get hurt. But if you're going full speed and that happens – you're not going to get hurt, just things like that. So, like, if, if these guys are going half-speed, going through the motions, I think there's more risk of injury. So if you have a guy saying, hey, I don't really want to play, I don't have a problem with that, just take him out because you don't want to risk injury. I think it should also be is stated that I hope and trust that Kyler's feelings on whether or not he should play were already known by Cliff Kingsbury before that went public. And that if that's the case, then absolutely no issue. If that's the first time Cliff Kingsbury heard that Kyler really didn't want to play, that's a huge problem that has nothing to do with Kyler being honest or not. It's just about communication and trust and all of that kind of stuff. So, Yeah, and I, I like what you said, BJ, about the honesty. And and I think that too many times players, and, and I was guilty of it back in the day, was was you give these canned statements like, oh, my hat goes off to this team. You know, I think they really worked hard. We've got some good things. I think in this day and age with, with NFL being entertainment, I mean, it's entertainment and let's not get it twisted that I do. I do like the outside of trash talk because you don't want bulletin board material for another team, right. but sharing, I, I think we're getting to an age of where it's no longer kumbaya ish to share your feelings. And I think it's, it's generally accepted. Like mm-hmm. just, it's just a straight up honest response. I don't want to play this. And and as a player, you're 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 correct because you're I don't give a damn about this preseason game. I, I watched the film, I studied, you know, you're watching last year's tape, you're watching preseason film, and it's tough to get up for. You know, you're not your your game plan is, you know, really muted, everything's dialed back, and it's just yeah, your your intensity is not there, which is to Tucker's point, if you're not going full bore, you will get injured. You know, if you're half yeah. in, half out, you know, you're gonna be a little bit lazy and you might keep your feet on the ground, someone could roll up on you from behind. So yeah, so I, I I liked it. I like. I don't think you should be taken out of context. It just it is what it is. So you're stating what everyone thinks, and it should not be a big deal. Yeah, uh, that's that's my thought. And my final thought to put a bow on that is that I don't think it would be a problem if every NFL player was at the same time like to say, you know what, we're all going to be open and speak. The problem, and this when Coach Reed would talk about like distractions, and people would that's like a generic term, and they'd wonder what that means. The machinations of what happens when some controversial thing, some stupid thing even happens and they say, I don't like distractions, is when one player does something and then it tries to – and I want to speak in generalities because I don't want to get too much into the weeds about one specific incident. But in general, what happens is one thing happens and then everybody – all the media asks coach about it. And then the media goes in the locker room and they ask every single player who happens to be in the locker room about that time about that one thing with one said player that may be a different position group, it may be a different side of the ball. The media may be thinking that just because they're on the same team that they're best friends and that guy's never had a conversation with that other player, but yet he has to speak for whatever incident they're talking about, which may have no context, nothing to do with them at all, but it doesn't matter on a headline because it's like chief teammates have a problem with such and such. When all they said is like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I just, that crap, that is the distraction. When other players feel like if I do something, then all my teammates are going to get berated in the locker room. And if they say the wrong thing, then it's going to get put out on social media and then it hurts their brand and they got agents. Like, it's just, it's such a mess that, again, maybe it's a little kumbaya Maybe it's a little idealistic to say, let's just hit the freaking reset button and just be honest. 
and just trust that the country, which you can't trust the half the country to do anything, uh, no matter who, what side you're on. Um, that's not a political thing. It's just, it's true that trust that if people are honest, that it won't become this huge thing, but it's going to take everyone doing it at the same time. So let's go to the last blind nail segment. It's going to be very similar to that. Tucker, I want to get your thoughts on this first as a, the young pup. Um, talk about it similarly, but along the same lines of players just being honest, if you could change any one thing about the way that NFL media, the NFL is covered, about the way that the NFL uh, is portrayed to fans, it could be at any scope, at any level. It could be in stadium, out stadium, at home, off season, draft, combine, access, whatever it is. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to very, I'm going to elongate the question to give you time to think about your answer. Because again, people, he doesn't have any clue what I'm bringing up. And this is a very loaded question. But if you could change anything about the NFL and the way that it's covered and, again, all the media stuff, what would it be? Man, that's a good question. Because when I start to think about it, it probably is one of the better leagues in terms of accessibility. Uh, you know, the MLB has that problem where the, they get really upset about posting highlights and stuff like that. NFL is really good about sharing highlight stuff uh, on social media, using <laughs> clips, stuff like that, kind of. Kind um, of. Like, <laughs> don't tell don't tell NFL social departments that the NFL is really good about highlights. That's all yeah. I'm gonna say. Um, the NBA is the best, and the MLB is yeah. the worst. They fall somewhere yes. in between there. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is is always going to be something that I would like to change is like more accessibility content like that. We're seeing a lot of changes with the Game Pass situation. I mean, I was talking in our group message. I was trying to give them my money this weekend and they wouldn't take it. Um, I was trying to <laughs> re-sign up for it and then I couldn't do it. It like wouldn't wouldn't work. Uh, that that's kind of frustrating in the All 22. If you if you're into the film, you know the All 22 has been down for ever i think um i don't think there's ever been anything go 100 percent right with it so that's kind of frustrating i know from, from people on that end of it but i do think that there's just a lot of a lot of just uh, cliches and stuff like that it's hard to get that out of the game though out of the media it, coverage who needs a game pass when you got an eddie high in chief's kingdom just posting videos <laughs> and cut-ups of everything that guy's got oh, every man. offensive line rushing play like five minutes after the chiefs game <laughs> is done it's like this guy's amazing he's gonna brett he's gonna hire him there's no way that's legal what he's doing but hey i'm no. here for it the whole guy's um, gonna get shut down like you can't do that yeah. but it's all right, but no, I appreciate Eddie. He's uh, did great work during training camp and still does great work tweeting out those videos. But I think that something that I would change is, you know, the honesty is obviously a, a really great point, but I, I just wish that there wasn't so much build up to minor events. Um, I think if, if that makes sense, it just seems like there's just a lot of build up for very small things. Like I think about the week leading up to the Super Bowl, the two weeks, I should say, leading up to the Super Bowl. Everything's so drawn out, so so talked about, and I think you run into that almost every week with it, whether it's you know Good Morning Football, First Take, uh, Undisputed, all these talk shows. Maybe this is a larger holistic conversation about sports talk in general. Maybe I'm opening up a too big of a can of worms right here, but I just think that like it's just like give it a break, give it like we can marinate on some things. You don't have to talk about every single thing and like the build up to like the first preseason game. It's just like okay, Patrick Mahomes is going to play for four plays. Um, let's just take a chill pill on this. 
Nick, before I throw it to you, I want to bring this up because it reminds me of a conversation I had and to, to protect him, I'm not going to use his name. Chief Staffer, it was the year that we traded back with the Niners. They traded up for Josh Garnett, the Stanford guard. We took Chris Jones at 37. Uh, we are at the draft party at the Chiefs indoor. There's thousands of people there. You've got live radio over here. You've got face painting. You've got horses. Like, who knows? I don't remember everything. The whole indoor is just built up. You've got literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of activations and partnerships and like all this crap going on everywhere. And the guy looked at me and he just said all this for one player who probably won't even play this year. Because <laughs> like, the roster at that time was so good. Now it ended up being Chris Jones. Yes, we should have the big hoopla for him. But in that moment, you look around and you just see all of this crap happening to add one player to your roster who's going to start as a backup. Like when you look at it in that kind, like it's exciting. You get all built up, but when you look at it and just you're adding one player to your roster at the off season, I mean, 90 people, all of this for one play. Now the draft is a whole different deal. And yeah. so I agree with the build up to it, but it is funny when you look at things in those contexts that uh, it kind of changes the perspective, especially people who are outside of football who don't understand it, that see like how rabid the fan base is. And I can't imagine how much better it's going to get as we approach what 2023 and the NFL draft comes to Kansas city. So that is going to be a whole lot of fun. And it's almost like KC sports network will be right there to help cover it. So, all right, Nick, cool. Nick, what do you got? What would you change? Uh, I, I would definitely change the the bye week policies or the bye week scheduling. I think with the addition of an extra game, I honestly think that you should have four four bye weeks. So if what are we at like a seventeen game schedule now? So yep. what I'd like to see is I used to get so mad when we had a week five bye because mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're that tired. And the times where we had that week nine, week 10 by, it was absolutely glorious. So I would like to see eight games played and then week nine, half the team, half the league is off. And then week 10, half the league is off. And then you play for about four games ish, right? So four games, 12. So, so that way you break it up. So you play four more games or let's say five more games. And then same thing, two week you have a, like a bye, and then that way you can kind of leave December, like like have your bye weeks the last two weeks of November for Thanksgiving and, and whatever, and then that way you can get a clean stretch mm-hmm. for December. Because to me, like the NFL gets really really good in in December because all these teams that went eight no with these soft schedules and a lot of home stuff, and maybe they have got injuries and don't have that depth. You see these teams fade away. Right in in December, and to me, it's like December is, is kick ass because that's when you know men are separate from the boys, and Super Bowl contenders are are left in the dust for preseason pretenders. So that's yeah. what I would change is that structure of, of bye weeks to make it where shit. Okay, we had an extra game. Now we're gonna take care of you. You know, this is how we break up the season. It's a really good idea. I I love just and as you say it, thinking through the unintended consequences of fantasy football implications. And like, it's a billion dollar business now, like all these uh, proliferary, like things that have kind of come around the NFL and these companies that have started like Casey sports network in a lot of ways, um, covering the sport in different ways. But that's a really good point. I think for me, besides the highlights, which we talked about before, um, I think that the NFL as a business and they should, they're trying to figure out ways to monetize their highlights because they know it's the most valuable thing that they possess much like game pass. Uh, they know that it's valuable in growing their brand. Um, and I don't know how much more they feel like they need to grow it. Uh, 
they know that people are making money off Game Pass um, on the side, and I think the NFL wants a bigger piece of that. So whether they charge more for it, whatever that looks like, we talked about it in the group DMs, that the NFL knows what they have and when it's valuable, and they don't just give that stuff away. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. They're very good about that. They're very good about monetizing everything. All NFL teams and the NFL as a whole is very, very good at that. But um, I I would open up access um, as one of the other things. But the thing I really want to get into, um, and it's going to come across preachy, but I really think the NFL could lean in on the good stories that you have from players and the good things that people are, are doing in the community. And I know that it doesn't always drive the same engagement. I know the numbers uh, don't always add up and you could look at your resources and the opportunity cost for doing that kind of content. Uh, But at the end of the day, the NFL is the absolute number one sport in this country and people are going to pay attention no matter what you put out there. And you have an opportunity with people's attention to spread positive messaging and share stories of what these guys are doing in the community to make it a better place and not just, you know, mock draft roundups, this, that, like get in there and tell what these guys are doing and not just the, the dramatic bad stuff. And again, it's idealistic. It's whatever. I just, there's a lot of good guys that do a lot of good stuff. And I feel like that doesn't get promoted as much as all the other crap. And again, I understand the business side of it, but I also understand that people are going to absorb the, and listen and watch the content that the NFL puts out, that the teams put out, and the Chiefs have been very good at this. Um, they've always supported when you want to do something off the field uh, with a player. I just feel like as a whole, the NFL and teams and content creators in general could do a better job of focusing on the things that would improve um, big picture, you know, the community and the things that they do. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I feel like more effort could be made in those areas to share those stories. I like that. Thank you. That's kind of what you're doing last or the, uh, when you were with the chiefs, right? Those, uh, back home stories or whatever. I thought that was a really cool concept. Yeah. Yeah. I think you emotionally connect the fans through the players, through their journeys, their experiences, their shared struggles, and everybody can take something away, you know, not to, to go off on a different road. I was having a conversation with, um, guy the other day and just asking about, you know, the storytelling and all that stuff. And I said, I grew up like Stillwell, Kansas. Like I grew up completely different than most of the players that I've ever talked to. Uh, and I always had like an open slate with them and just said like, Hey, you know, I, I no judgments here. Just like, Hey, where are you from? Like, who are your influences? What do you go through? And I feel like that kind of stuff's important because everybody can take something away. I sat and talked to Tyron Matthew for half an hour. He couldn't have grown up any more different than me, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that he said that I couldn't take away and, and help improve or, I don't know, just kind of absorb and see how can I use what he went through to make myself a better person, even though we're completely different. Same thing with Frank Clark uh, or Chris Jones or Sharkandrick West or Alan Bailey, all these places that we went and got guys that we hung out with. Um, you can always take stuff away from other people. And I think we do a better job of that. Again, that's the idealistic side coming out, but that's how I feel. I'm not going to apologize for it. Thank you. Shouldn't, shouldn't have to. Jinx. Whoa, you too. All right. Last thoughts before we wrap this show up again. Appreciate everybody for listening. Tucker, what do you got? I'm just ready for the season to be here. I'm working on my punts, <laughs> uh, working on getting that leg loose. Got to get that Tommy Townsend jersey, or Nick gets it, or it's going to be in the background of Nick's uh, setup. Next or Saturday, the background of my setup. So uh, I've got. He's got a good spot for it. I'll replace the Patrick Mahomes jersey real quick if I get it. <laughs> um, it'll go up there. So uh next saturday is the is the event the main event can we it's already been put matt lane already put it out there the fact that tommy townsend dm'd you to give you actual tips he didn't even treat it like a joke 
So like I'll, I'll put on blast your weird saying it yourself, but like you put out there like joking, tagging him on Twitter, like, Hey, you got this punt, win this Jersey. And he gave you like legit punting advice. It wasn't like, Hey, good yeah. luck, man. Like whatever. That's cool. It was like, no, this is what you need to do, man. Like go get the, <laughs> go get that fucking Jersey. I like he's that. Best, man. Yeah, he's the best. You know, um, my, my parting words will be, uh, I can't get it out of my head, but the crown prime beef ribs at Jack stack are now, are now available. I know at Martin city, and then they're also available at the freight house district. So I'm assuming they're available everywhere now. So that's kind of like my little indicator that, that, I mean, we're not quite over everything yet, but it's like, okay, there's a normalcy as far as Jack sack concerns in my food world. And honestly, I think it's tied with me as the best thing. If like, if about Kansas city barbecue, if someone were to come through from Texas and which my boss did, and other people have come up and I'm like, hey, all right, take me to good barbecue. I'm like, we're going to go get a crown prime beef rib and the cheesy corn and the pit beans at Jack Stack. And that's what I'm going to say. That's my that's my go to. I will put this up against anything in the country. This is the best thing you will put in your mouth. It's always good. And that. It- <laughs> you need a minute. <laughs> All right, Nick, that, that's a great way to end it. Again, we appreciate everybody for listening to this episode of Outside the Trenches. Again, please, <laughs> you guys are terrible. Uh, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff, and, and tell your friends about it. Uh, we're trying something new with KC Sports Network. We, we keep talking about it, but uh, when you try something new, especially in media and you're trying a new media network, um, the best way to, to reach new people and, and all of that, hi, Nick, um, <laughs> The best way to reach new people is to have them spread the word. So if you like what you're hearing, if you like what uh, what we're doing, please tell your friends about it. Have them subscribe to the YouTube or any of the podcast channels. And again, please, if you like it, please leave a review and let us know what you think and how we can improve this show. Uh, we've got a lot of really, really cool stuff, um, not just with this show, um, as the format of this show may change a little bit and maybe live. We'll see how things go. We're still planning some stuff out, but... A lot of cool stuff in the works for KC Sports Network as we uh, turn this thing up to 11 once the regular season begins. And again, if you have not subscribed to our newsletter on Substack, go to kcsn.substack.com. You can sign up for free. You get our free newsletter, which gives you the daily updates. Um, Anytime there's any kind of breaking news, Tucker will make sure that you are updated and informed. And if you want to be educated with our morning newsletters, it is $40 a year for all of the content. It's over 400 newsletters, 10 cents a piece for a morning newsletter every day of the week with analysis, film breakdowns, all the stuff from Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane that used to get at Arrowhead Pride. You can now get, it's just $40 a year, but it is going to $50 a year on September 1st. As we raise the price, we get into the regular season. But again, that will cover the regular season, the postseason, the NFL draft. And if you followed us, you know we all get into the NFL draft, especially the lab guys. They're very, very good on the draft and they get into everything else. So uh, we appreciate your support. Again, there's a paid version. There's a free version. Let us know. Shoot us an email. Shoot us a text. Um, excuse me. Shoot us a tweet. Let us know what you think. We appreciate your support. Until next time, Chiefs Kingdom. Oh, last thing. We do have a special episode we're recording this week with a special guest. And... Um, Let's just say that that one is going to personally mean a lot. So I'm excited to have this particular guest uh, join us on Wednesday. We'll have that podcast up before the Chiefs' next preseason game, but be on the lookout for that. And uh, 
We'll see you next time. Have a great week, Chiefs Kingdom.